Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers, and alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. The Team Blaney Podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been diehard followers of the Blaney Racing family for about two decades. Today, we closely follow third-generation driver Ryan Blaney, who pilots the number 12 Ford Mustang for Team Penske on the NASCAR Cup Series circuit. Each week on our podcast, we will review Ryan's latest NASCAR race and then give you a preview of the race for the upcoming weekend, offering news, notes, statistics, and analysis. Steve, welcome back to another episode. We're coming fresh off an exciting doubleheader weekend at Pocono Raceway. We were lucky enough last week on the podcast to have Kevin Teal from Pocono kind of give us a preview of the exciting weekend that they had planned. And I'm happy to say the weather was nearly perfect. A few sprinkles here and there around the track. Uh, But for Kevin and the rest of the people out at Pocono, uh, hats off to them. The crowd looked great. The campers looked great. And it seems like everything worked out perfectly this weekend. They were the host with the most in the Poconos. <laughs> it was it was a great weekend of racing. Uh, glad the weather kind of held off because there were some situations where it looked a little sketchy there. Um, but uh, the weather held off and the racing, all four races, you know, the, the, the Xfinity and the truck races were all pretty good races. All saw all kinds of different strategies and uh, some things uh, worked really well for, for Ryan and the team. It's one of those weekends that if they continue to do this into the future and it becomes like a normal thing, it's one of those ones that I kind of want to circle on a weekend to go to because you mentioned the four NASCAR series-specific races, but the ARCA race, there was also an ARCA race too. So it was just kind of an insane amount of racing action throughout the weekend, plus everything I've heard, and I know you've been to Pocono, the atmosphere there with the camping and the camaraderie and kind of everyone just enjoying the racing weekend sounded really, really cool. And like you just said, it was a really, really solid weekend for, for Ryan and the team. One of those weekends that they kind of needed. So, Hey, why don't we just jump right into our recap? Uh, Ryan's Blaney's doubleheader weekend at Pocono raceway. Ryan Blaney race recap. Pocono raceway. All right. Let's start off with Saturday. Um, Saturday stages, uh, 25, 77, 130. Uh, it was starting 27th based on uh, the metrics from the week prior, um, which is okay um, because they uh, bring it pretty quick here. Uh, they're in pit stall six here with the 99 in front of him and the 19 behind him. The number one pit stall is actually empty there. Um, they had uh, two spotters for this. Um, I, uh, because the campgrounds were so full, um, between turns, um, somewhere around turn one, going toward turn two or something like somewhere in that area there, there were so many campers near the track where uh, the main spotter stand, uh, he couldn't see it. So they had a secondary spotter just for that area there. Um, the competition caution was going to be a lap 12 on uh, Saturday. Um, they, they basically get kind of stacked up on the start. And this is the thing, again, with the choose cone situation. Um the the start of the race they don't they can't do that they got to go with their assigned spots but as the race goes on choose cones become very important all weekend long the higher lines usually the better line of the two um by at the end of lap one he's already gained three spots uh up to 24th and uh by lap seven he's up to 22nd and uh, there's caution at lap nine uh for debris turn two um and they decide that's going to be the competition caution um, Todd's asking about the air temperatures or about the temperatures. I'm sorry, not air temperatures. And, um, they're talking about basically putting some tape on there. Uh, it's hard, hard to tell how it's handling because of the traffic Ryan says. So they, uh, pit, take two tires and fuel. Um, 
they lose a couple positions here. Now, mind you, losing positions on pit road this weekend is going to happen because uh, of all the different strategies, a lot of guys don't, some of them don't pit. They pit at a different time. They're going to pit later on because you can pit and not lose the lap, basically. Still be on the lead lap, and you know there's going to be a caution coming later on where you'll catch up that ground. So uh, lots of cars stayed out. Um, shoes going low on the on this one here by um, lap uh, 12. He's up to 21st, and there's a caution for the 41. Um, looks like Brad kind of swiped him a little bit there uh, as he was trying to go around him. <laughs> Another hard hit for that team. I know Cole's had a, a few of them where it seems like he's he and the inside wall of some of these racetracks have been kind of magnets uh, over the past few weeks. So just right off the bat, you hate to see that. I, th- I know you were talking about the debris caution earlier. I think that came off of Chase Elliott's car. And then kind of right away, boom, another big hit and another caution to start off the race. Yeah. Uh, we'll go choose going high on this next restart, uh, starting 20th. Um, and it kind of a couple laps in, he just kind of stays in 20th there. Um, by lap 20, Todd's, uh, so they're talking about a little bit of rain, uh, getting a drop or two, but not enough to like stop anything or slow anybody down. Uh, by lap 22, he's up to 16th. Uh, some of the cars start pitting now. Um, by the end of stage one, the 18 wins the stage, but Ryan's up to 14th. So, you know, within that 25 laps, he's gained 13 spots and he's uh, eyeballing that top 10 now. Um, Todd asks if the balance is good and they'll run this one out. They're basically going to do a fuel run. They'll stay out to get the track position. Um, and it ends up being a quick yellow too. So there's, you know, everybody pits at one time, um, starting stage two, he's up to sixth, uh, and takes the choose cone high, um, by lap 30, he's up to fourth with the good restart. And, um, the 22 was, was leading that restart in the high lane. So once again, a good car at the beginning of that lane. And that lane usually goes if, if the leader's uh, pretty good. By uh, lap 38, uh, he's kind of just stuck in fourth there. The radio's pretty quiet. Um, you know, the TV shows the beach ball effect. And that really does seem to happen there where uh, you can get up behind somebody, get within a certain distance, and just can't close that gap. You just kind of push the air and, uh, in front of you. The lap 41... Um, Ryan says the tires or the fronts are gone. The tires are kind of worn out and trying to chase these guys. Basically, he's kind of steady behind the 42 at this point, um, about a half a second behind him. And uh, the 22 is slowly stretching out his lead. Um, lap 45, the 22 and the one now pit, and the 42 takes the lead. So Ryan's up to second. He's about a second back of the lead at that point. Um, he tells them about his oil and water temperatures so they know if they can put more tape on the grill or not. Uh, lap 51 they're talking about pitting and Todd tells them I'm ready when you are <laughs> and at lap 53 a caution comes out for the six a bunch of cars stayed out the 18 the 34 the one the 22 the eight the 24 and uh, Ryan goes ahead and pits under this caution and the only reason I point out these these cars are staying out because it kind of shifts strategy for them because they they're gonna stay out and pit somewhere later on whereas you get fuel now and you're gonna go longer than they can he is P9 for the choose cone coming out. Todd says that the window's open, that they're pretty good to go on one more stop at this point. So uh, lap 59 is eighth place, and there's a caution. Um, another quickie yellow here, lap 60. And once again, takes a choose cone. Um, the leader is the 18 on the top. Ryan goes low, but within a couple laps there, he's up to sixth. He passed the 34 for fifth. And lap 71, um, the five passes Ryan. He's in sixth again. 
And uh, Todd just says, we know what we have to work on and we'll get there. Uh, lap 72, there's a caution for the 42 and they decide to stay out. And temperatures are right on the number. The 18 pits and Ryan is up to fifth. So now the choose cone is the one, or I'm sorry, is the leader, is the one. And uh, Ryan all chooses the low here, even though the leader chooses the top. By lap 75, he's up to fifth. And at the end of the stage, um, Kurt wins the stage and Ryan finishes fifth. So we got some stage points at the end of stage two. <laughs> this ends up on TV because Ryan says something about the 24 is um, ir irritating him the last couple weeks. And uh, TV kind of picked up and ran with this. Yeah, this has been kind of funny. And I mean, we've noticed it. I mean, the, a couple of restarts the previous week. And I can't, I don't know, it's hard to say. I don't want to say anything negative about Ryan, but um, I almost feel like he's kind of been, we don't see everything, one, for first. We don't see everything that happens out on the track, so I don't know exactly their history. Um, but the things that we have seen, sometimes it's Ryan be, being a little bit aggressive. Um, and I think well, that's kind of what William even said. He's like, just kind of taking me three wide a lot. And it's like, yeah, well. <laughs> well, the, actually, the truth is, though, if you watch uh, the, the thing he said about um, – about blocking Ryan. Yeah. Which we'll just keep blocking him. And then later on, Ryan posts something with the video. And what happened is Ryan went inside of him going into one, tried to get away from him to break a draft off of him. So there's no side drafting and firing <laughs> chased him down the track. Almost he like he, almost like he was Kyle Bush. He chased him down the track to a point and Ryan still went around him. So he did not do a very good job of blocking him. Like he said in his little statement, and, and Ryan got around him, you yeah. know, so yeah, you know, you're trying to side draft the guy and the guy is just faster than you or has the momentum that you just don't have. And, you know, yeah. and it, it can be irritating because that could be what causes an accident later on. So yeah. you, you can block all you want, but sometimes you have to recognize when somebody has momentum and you don't have it. But uh, so far, I think it's all been in relatively good fun and I'm sure they, <laughs> yeah, they've, they've, I'm sure they they've hugged, hugged it out. Yeah, it's definitely not um, the situation that he had, that we would say he's had with the 42 car this year where, um, I don't know, maybe the maybe Ryan and, and William are a little bit more talented to be able not to actually wreck each other in the process. Right, right, right. It's a quickie yellow. They're staying out. Uh, Ryan says he's still on the free side. The choose cone, the leader, takes the high, and Ryan takes the high. Um, at lap 85, he passes the 24 for fourth. At lap uh, 89, uh, Todd says two more till we pit. Ryan asks for a little more turn. At lap 91, <clears throat> he loses one spot to the 24 on pit road. At lap 100, uh, they're still cycling through pit cycle. He's 21st at this point, but um, at lap 105, the cycle's still going, and he's up to 15th. Ryan says, uh, pretty good here, but you know the deal. Uh, not exactly sure what he meant by that, but uh, the caution comes at 106. Um, he's up to 12th. Quick yellow, and after the pits, uh, he cycled up to seventh. So the uh, choose cone, the leader, uh, which is uh, Kyle Bush this time, he chooses the high, and Ryan chooses the low. Um, by lap 112, he's up to fifth. Uh, lap 117, he's one second back at the 24, so he's chasing down uh, fourth there. At lap 123, the 11 passes him, so he's in the sixth. And then uh, – Ryan does pass and get back up to fifth there in the next couple laps. And um, the craziness at the end there, uh, you know, I was, I was like you, you, what you did on Twitter there and you started to write it out and, and didn't get a chance to post. I did the same thing on my notes here. I was about to write Larson winning 
And the next thing I know, I'm scratching everything out because Ryan was going to finish sixth. And that's how he passed. He passed Larson actually for position because Larson hit the wall and the 48 ends up winning the race. I mean, this was one where it's like actually felt bad. I mean, obviously not really like a Larson fan or anything, but the way he kind of meticulously spent all that time setting up the pass of Bowman, which again, one reason Bowman was out there is because Ryan gave him just an unbelievable push at the we'll restart. Push on the restart, yeah. But um, he just meticulously tried and tried, learned what he needed to do. You're talking about that beach ball effect, you know, figured out a way to overcome that, finally gets past him. Seems like he's going to, it's not necessarily making history, but making a little bit more modern history um, to win like a fourth straight points race, which is very difficult to do. And then boom, you just never know. And it's one of those things you just have to remember that can happen. That happy happened in the Indianapolis 500, um, I think a few years ago, but probably at this point, it was probably eight or nine years ago um, going into the last turn, someone crashes. So it's always one of those things that's a possibility. And, you know, the announcer's, on TV and radio were kind of getting prepared to do their winning call. And then seconds later, they have to kind of change the script. And um, like Bowman said, you, uh, it's not how you want to win a race, but you'll take them how you can get them in the cup series. Cause they're so hard to get. So felt bad for Larson felt great for Ryan Blaney and the, the 12 team. Cause this was a, uh, a race and a finish and the points that they got something that they, that they really needed. So before we get, into the second Pocono race of the weekend, you mentioned choose cone a lot, uh, during your recaps. And, um, obviously they're really important in this race of Pocono. A lot of people wanted to get into that outside line and sometimes gambled to get into the inside line just to gain some spots. They're important at, at short tracks. We talked during the Fox portion of the season, how like they started showing it at the beginning and then it slowly went away we were hoping maybe when NBC kind of picked it up, they would start showing that choose cone process a little bit more um, on Twitter. Um, the the account that kind of live tweets Ryan's radio. I never say it right. Stellar at Stellarinarius. Stellarinarius. Um, she's been doing this fun thing where she's been keeping track as the season has gone, and especially since NBC took over to see to show how many times they've actually shown the choose cone on TV, and through their um, so many races they've had this year. She has them at like a 0.5 out of however many, meaning they've basically only shown like half of a, of one of the choose cones so far since they've taken over. So um, I'm interested in it. I know you're interested in seeing it. I don't know if the TV folks have some sort of metric where they think people don't care, but what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, there was one time they did show um, on the, on the left hand of the screen, um, the drivers and what lane they ended up in at least. At, you know, they didn't show it live, but then they showed before the start itself. Okay, here's who here's lined up where, and who gave up a position or two to line up in a line because that's the thing. You may be tenth in line to begin with. You may want the high line, and a couple other cars choo don't choose the low, and then they choose the high. And now, do you go low or do you stay in that high line? And instead of being tenth on the restart, you're twelfth or fourteenth on the restart because you wanted to make sure you're in that high line. And like I said, depending on who the who the leader was, and, and in this race, the leader always took the high line. Um, as long as they got a good start, the high line had the momentum going through one and two, and in through three, when they get single file by some somewhere before turn three, um, you may have been on that inside line at third or fifth, and the next thing you know, you're seventh or eighth. Um, so 
yes, the, it's strategy and, and the restarts are so big, they, they really need to show these things. And I, I, you know, I get asked this fan council thing that gets uh, sent to me every week and I fill it out and uh, I keep mentioning it. I don't know if they're listening to me or not, but. And I get it. I mean, they, they try to use these breaks, the race breaks and the, you know, caution breaks to use to put commercials on. So I, I understand that way we have less green flag racing that's taken up by commercials. But I don't know the whole strategy part of it. I think it's interesting. I think watching it is dramatic sometimes because there is a penalty if you actually run over the cone that's painted out on the track. So I don't know. I just wanted to touch base on that because we had sort of high hopes that when NBC took it over that they might show a little bit more of that. But so far, it hasn't been that great. Yeah, they're the same as Fox. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to race number two um, of the weekend, this one being a 350-mile race at Pocono. Yeah, we got uh, comp, uh, the caution, uh, I'm sorry, the stage is at 30, 85, and 140. Uh, no competition caution start this one since they raced the previous day. And um, this is the inverted field situation. Um, Ryan finishes uh, fifth on uh, Saturday. He starts 14th, or, I'm sorry, 16th on Sunday. Um, they have pit stall number 10 with an open out, nothing in front of them, and the 42 is actually behind him. Um, Larson goes to the rear <laughs> because of the damage his car. And this is another thing about the, this thing is Larson is an even number. Um, he would, would have been uh, up, up in front of Ryan in Ryan's line. So Ryan's line moves up, and Ryan actually technically starts the race in 14th uh, on that outside line. And in one lap, he's up to 11th. And uh, in lap two, there's a caution for the 38. Um, and, uh, you know, Todd tells him saving. So they're always talking about saving fuel. And this ends up being huge as the day goes on. Everybody's uh, ends up being a fuel mileage race. So Chuscone is the leader, Busher, in the high lane. Now, this is a problem. Um, no offense to, to Chris Busher, but his, his equipment isn't going to be as good as some of the guys behind him. And, uh, you know, Ryan takes the top, but uh, <laughs> Busher bobbles, and that whole line gets jacked up. Um, Ryan ends up falling back to about 14th, um, but he does do a big pass on the front stretch in lap eight, and he passed the 22 and the four in that same, same pass. Um, in lap nine, he passes the one in turn two, gets up to 11th. Turn two ends up, I, I, noted, I, I noted this in the next couple of things because turn two ends up the, where he sets up a bunch of these passes. A lap 14, he passes the eight up to 10th place. Same thing, turn two. Lap 15, he passed the 99 in turn two up to ninth. Um, lap 20, he drafted off the 23 and passed both the 42 and the 23. He gets up to seventh. Lap 24, he passed the 34 in turn one. He gets up to sixth. Um, at lap 27, cars are pitting before the end of the stage, and he's up to fourth at this point. Um, Truex wins the stage, and Ryan finishes fourth. Great stage points at the end of stage one. Uh, they're staying out, and this is part of the strategy of the fuel windows. Um, you know, they're trying to do this in one less stop. And if it stays green all race, this strategy really, really does work. Unfortunately, it never really, <laughs> never really works out with the, some of these cautions. Um, Brad also stays out. So they're going to be one, two on the restart and uh, the leader being uh, Brad 
chooses the high line, and here we go. Ryan takes the high line too. Ryan could have started inside of Brad, instead decides to get behind Brad and push Brad so that he knows by the end of turn one, they will have passed that car on the inside easily. Um, lap 35, the high lane prevails. Brad's first, Ryan's second. Um, at lap 41, they're talking about when they're going to pit and something about the next five laps. They're looking at uh, the fuel pressure. This is a big thing uh, with these guys running out of fuel is they've got a switch. They can flip it over. It gives them a reserve of a certain amount that basically gets them another lap, I think. So that whole process just makes me nervous, even when it's not necessarily Ryan, because you heard this all throughout this race, like you're just saying. Um, they're playing radio communication. Basically, the crew chief is just like, let me know when you flip the switch and then come in next lap. And it's like, that's nerve wracking for me. I know that they know and they have it down to a science mostly um, on how far they can go after that. But for me, it's like any chance of that engine kind of stuttering, if it shuts off or something, you know, that kind of ruins your whole race. But it seemed to work out for most people in the end. Yeah. Um, lap 45, uh, the 18, 24, the 20 all pass him. So he's back to fifth there. And then they decide the next lap to go ahead and pit um, out of the seventh position at this point. So lap 49, um, he's in 32nd place, 45 seconds back. And 18 is leading. But once again, this is, you know, part of the strategy. You know that at some point you're going to catch back up. Other people are going to have to pit at some point. You know, and hopefully a little bit fresher tires, you'll gain some time on them too. Um, but at lap 52, he reports a loose uh, right front wheel. So they just jump in there in a hurry, go ahead and pit four tires and fuel. Now this does knock them off the lead lap at this point. Uh, one lap down in uh, 34th. Uh, good. One thing worth mentioning, and I said this to a couple of people on Twitter, uh, where we kind of fight this with, people wanting the pit crew replaced all the time. And they've had a pretty decent stretch recently, so this is kind of the first mistake in a little while. But um, it's just coincidentally this week, NASCAR.com posted uh, um, a story that went through the fastest pit crews on pit road this year. And the number 12 crew actually came in eighth, eighth fastest um, with a 13 point something, something average pit stop this season. So I said, I think I said to Steve when I talked about it, definitely room for improvement there. It's not top five, but definitely not the worst crew on pit road. So we've said it before. Cut them, cut them some slack. Yeah. Uh, lap 66, uh, Todd tells them, once everybody does pit cycle, they should end up back on the lead lap. Um, lap 72, um, the cars are starting to pit, and uh, he's in 30th place at this point. Lap 78, he's back on the lead lap with eight to go. So basically with eight to go in the stage, he needs to stay in front of the 24, and he's in 28th place at this point. And sure enough, at the end of the stage, he does stay in front of Byron, and Byron does win the stage. Uh, so now they're, they're back in the ball game. They're back on the lead lap. Um, the choose cone, the, the leader chooses the high. Ryan chooses the low. He's 17th uh, to start on this. Uh, but uh, <laughs> what a great restart this, this was from the low lane. Um, Ryan really did not mind sticking it down there low in turn one. And then he was holding the line pretty well and getting by guys. Um, he was up to 13th on that restart, uh, you know, four spots basically within a lap, uh, lap 93 is a caution and he's in 12th at this point. There's a quick yellow. They go ahead and stay out and they tell him he's seven laps short of the window at this point. Now, some of the other cars, like I said, they, they were short too. And, uh, they do come in, uh, well, they do go, I'm sorry, choose cone here. 
Um, the Ryan does take the top, so he's with the leader. Uh, they restart lap 96. By lap 99, um, the 20 almost crashed, which was pretty dramatic there. He, he basically saved it. They did not call a caution. Um, but Ryan uh, moved all the way up to fourth place on, around all that. Um, basically, Josh guided him through there. He, you know, he did not back him off, um, thinking there was going to be a caution. He told him to go for it, told him where to go, and he got him by him. Um, and at lap 106, they go for two seconds of, of fuel, and they put tape on the front. And this should get them to the end. Um, at the 24... Um, I was in 24th after that stop, 33 seconds back. But everyone needs to get fuel, basically, at this point. And um, so we think. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, so we <laughs> think. <laughs> uh, Brian kind of complains about the lap cars uh, kind of causing issues here because they're kind of in his way of, of making progress time-wise and, and i saw that the cool thing i don't know if, if i missed it for the first race or not but the second race ryan had an in-car camera on nascar.com and i don't always take advantage of that but this week it seemed like a good good opportunity and i was able to sync it up perfectly with the tv with some trickery and pausing various things so that was really cool throughout that whole race and i saw that i saw it twice in a couple of different turns he came up on lap cars bad and this was at a point when i was thinking like you just said everyone has to pit he was, you know, right behind Harvick, and I was like, oh, this could set him up to potentially duel Harvick again for another win mm -hmm. at Pocono. So I was really excited. I saw him get up to those lap cars in a couple of bad spots, and then, you, like you said, immediately on the radio, he basically said, I think he said something like, the race is, the race is over. It's like darn lap cars in, in bad positions, kind of that kind of a thing. So, mm -hmm. um, But I, you could see it happen. So take advantage of those, those in-car cameras when you can. If you have a tablet or a laptop or something when you're watching, I know Steve takes advantage of those as much as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, by uh, lap 118, he's up to 15th. Lap 20, up to 14th. Um, lap 121, uh, Todd says a lot of cars are trying to save fuel. He says, keep pushing, we'll get them. Lap 127, there's cars trying to save, falling back toward Ryan. Um, here comes some passing. Here passes the four, 14 for 13th place, passes the 19 for 12th place, passes the 99 for 11th place. Um, the, the two ends up pitting. And what's interesting about the two pitting in front of Ryan is the two must have taken a little bit less fuel, but, of course, they're later in the race now too. And the two ends up staying in front of Ryan on the track there, which was pretty interesting. Um, lap 135, he passes the six. He's up to 10th. Lap 137, he passes the 37 up to ninth. Also passes uh, the 24 ends up pitting. So he gets to eighth at this point. Uh, lap 139, the 11 pits. He ends up in seventh and then sixth. Um, and uh, the, you know, the 18 hangs on to win there. And uh, Ryan finishes sixth. And what we, what's interesting about it is if the cars that still needed to pit, which would have been, Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, Bubba Wallace would have pitted and wouldn't have gotten the fuel mileage they got. Ryan would have finished third behind uh, Harvick and Keselowski. So overall, really good day. Um, Todd says a very great effort, um, and uh, they did a great job getting out of the hole uh, for being a lap down. Uh, but, you know, overall, it was a great weekend for, for the team. 
Yeah, really cool weekend, really cool, uh, cool day right at the end there. Ryan got all the way up onto Bubba Wallace's bumper. Bubba did go on to finish fifth, that first, that team's first top five and top ten of the season, and Ryan and Bubba kind of shared a kind of a joking moment at the end uh, how Bubba was able to hold him off for that fifth-place finish. So, yeah, the stage points this weekend were great. The finishes were great. Um, they can take some momentum into the next weekend uh, when they head to Road America. So, um yeah, overall, man, I I don't have too many complaints. Yeah, they had that one kind of pit road mishap there, but they kind of overcame that really quickly and in the end did not really affect necessarily their strategy or um, anything going forward because they were able to overcome that that misstep really fast. So um, can't even pin it on them saying, oh, well, they, they could have had a shot to win if it wasn't for that. They were already several laps beyond that uh, coming back from that when they kind of set up their strategy for the end of the race there. Um, thought he had maybe was going to have an outside chance at, at dueling Harvick again for a victory, but didn't come down to that. But overall, I thought it was a, a good weekend at Pocono. Yeah, I mean, you know, truthfully, it could have been two top fives. I mean, but, a t- you know, fifth and sixth, and uh, let's go to the next one, see what happens. So coming off this weekend, this doubleheader weekend at Pocono, immediately on Monday, um, Kind of out of nowhere, didn't expect this, but we had some breaking news involving Team Penske that didn't involve uh, this hush-hush Brad Keselowski leaving the team next year, most likely not official to Roush Fenway. This is actually involves Ryan's team, Todd Gordon, a longtime crew chief of Team Penske, who's been on top of a pit box, whether it was Xfinity or Cup, for about the last 23 years. has been Ryan's crew chief for about a year and a half now, announces that he is retiring at the end of the 2021 season. Didn't expect it. Todd does a, a radio interview every Monday on Sirius XM that I tune into and just expecting him to talk about, you know, maybe the hardest thing he was going to talk about was the loose wheel that they ran into and then kind of throws that curveball out there and says, you know what? Hey, for family reasons, um, I think that this is going to be my last year and I'm going to kind of hang up, uh, hang it up at the end of the year. So what were your thoughts on that? I know as soon as I heard about it, you're the first person that, that I text and uh, yeah, it, it took me by surprise. I love going on and, and, and reading all the reactions and different reactions and everybody's got a plan and uh, uh, everybody uh, has already has it all figured out. But uh, the reality is, is the guy has been doing it a long time. He's not going anywhere else. Everybody has this whole thing where he's going with Brad somewhere. If anybody is going with Brad, it's, it's Wolf. Wolf will go with Brad. If, if anybody is pulled away from Penske, um, that's been Brad's guy for, you know, a long time. So forget about all that stuff. The guy is generally probably fried. <laughs> and, uh, you know, next year there's a whole new challenge that is not a um, one or two year challenge. It's something that once you're into it, it's going to take four or five years to build up another notebook uh, with the new car. So he may have just figured that this is a point in time where the next guy should go ahead and take, take care of that. And, uh, you know, I'll give him a lot of credit for, uh, you know, making an announcement now before it's, you know, later in the year where it would have really, you know, maybe screwed up some chemistry or something like that. Right now, the chemistry between him and Ryan in the last year and a half has been fabulous um, from, you know, two years ago listening to them to now and through all the things they've had to go through the way they, they run a race weekend now. Um, they've got a good grip on what to say to get, to get the changes in the car they need. So uh, I'm just hoping that that continues for the rest of the year and, and, and we can keep getting the results that we get. 
Yeah, the only thing, I mean, any I don't know if it's a regret or anything to say about this, is that they didn't get a shot at having practice every week while they've been together. So a lot of the stuff that they've been uh, facing setup-wise, I mean, really early on in 2020, they had some rough runs trying to figure out the setup together. And then again, you had to remember, there's no practice, there's no qualifying, and they're trying to learn and, get, and build that chemistry and everything together. So I wish they would have got more of a fair shot. Um, being able to run through a lot more normal race weekends and seeing what they could have built. They have a couple of wins together um, with the Talladega race and the the race win in Atlanta earlier this year, so they've had success together. And, hey, there's still a whole half of a season left here where um, they can collect hopefully some more trophies and maybe make a deep run into the playoffs. So I have nothing but respect for Todd Gordon. Um, Just the fact that, I mean, I've been listening to his, like I said, his weekly interviews on Sirius going back a couple of years now even when he was uh, Joey Logano's crew chief and he had a lot of, you know, great insights from the weekend. And then it was much cooler when it was, you know, Blaney related every week after that. So um, just his openness with the media doing that, I always really respected. He's very respectful on the radio, never really seemed like he would talk down to Ryan. I mean, he was kind of, there was a little bit different relationship than he and Jeremy had. So speaking of Jeremy, you're talking about people automatically already having a plan. Obviously, again, the... Official, not official, Keselowski leaving the team. That would free up Jeremy Bollins. Do you think, again, total speculation. I don't even know if it's worth talking about, but there could be a re, uh, Jeremy and Ryan reunite next year. But who who knows? And, I mean, if that happened, I would I'd be okay with it. Who's Austin's um, crew chief in the uh, Xfinity? Brian Wilson. And Brian Wilson's been the one that has led that 22 team. Um, he was the crew chief when it was uh, – some of Ryan's first starts. I think when Ryan actually was in like the number 12 Xfinity car when it would run alongside with the 22. And then I think after that, he ended up taking over the 22 full time as crew chief once Cindric, uh, cause Jeremy Bullins came up with, with Ryan after, after that. So yeah, it just, yeah, the bench. Uh, so what I'm saying is the bench is deep. Yeah. Uh, Penske has another guy who knows Austin's uh, dad, could could end up you know he's a competition director right now but he could end up doing something else too to help all these teams uh, uh that's another thing everybody has joey going to the two car now and the <laughs> same thing i said about ryan going to the, to the two car that's not happening joey's got his own brand with the 22 just like ryan has his own brand with the 12. austin Cindric has won a championship he's won four races this year and may win another championship if you're going to give the two car to a new young guy the two-time xfinity champ uh, Maybe. potentially potentially <laughs> uh you know would be the guy to give it to so you know what everybody calm down where the bench is deep there too and uh somebody will drive that car next year and do quite well with it and uh, shuffling crew chiefs is a little bit of a rough thing but um it, it seems like ryan does a good job of communicating like i said and 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 they figured out their language pretty quick so whoever it is next year i'm sure they'll they'll have uh, good chemistry and no matter what, as you said already, next year is already going to be a huge challenge. So I don't think this necessarily puts them behind the eight ball. One possibility that's out there, I mean, if, if the next uh, crew chief comes from the engineering ranks, it could be someone that's already tasked with 
getting this next gen program up and running who knows we have really no <laughs> insider knowledge or anything so again complete speculation the only thing that's not speculation is that todd gordon over his career has been an amazing crew chief won a championship with joey logano he's a daytona 500 champion as well uh won i think 23 or so nascar cup series races to go with the races that he also won in the xfinity series with team penske so Great crew chief, great career. We wish Todd Gordon nothing but the best as he moves on to this next chapter in his life. This week in NASCAR history. Okay, first up in this July 4th themed this week in NASCAR history, we go to July 4th, 1959. Fireball Roberts scores his first win in his hometown by driving a Pontiac to victory in the inaugural Firecracker 250 at Daytona International Speedway. Roberts outruns Joe Weatherly's convertible Thunderbird in the caution-free event. He drove a convertible? Yes, he did. Wow. <laughs> it was the Wild West back then. <laughs> Moving on, we go to July 4th, 1966. Sophomore Sam McQuaig wheels the Nichols Engineering Dodge Charger to his first career win in the Daytona Firecracker 400. McQuaig's slope back Dodge is equipped with a strip of aluminum on the rear deck to make the car more stable. This is the first NASCAR Grand National race to permit cars equipped with spoilers. July 4th, 1974. A KG David Pearson outfoxes Richard Petty to win the Firecracker 400 in a puzzling finish. Pearson leads entering the final lap, but pulls to the low groove to allow Petty to pass. Pearson then regains his stride, runs Petty down, and makes the decisive pass just before the finish line. Buddy Baker and Cale Yarborough finish in a dead heat for third. Up next, we have July 4th, 1984. With President Ronald Reagan in attendance on the nation's birthday, Richard Petty wheels his Pontiac to victory in the Pepsi Firecracker 400 at Daytona. It's Petty's 200th NASCAR Winston Cup Grand National victory, a milestone that will likely live on in the record books forever. And finally, wrapping up this July 4th themed edition of This Week in NASCAR History, we go to July 4th, 1992. Ernie Irvin squeezes past Sterling Marlin to register a two-car length victory in the Pepsi 400 at Daytona. President George Bush accompanies Richard Petty in pre-race ceremonies commemorating the King's final race at Daytona International Speedway. That's it for This Week in NASCAR History. Tune in again next week as I take you on another trip through the history of NASCAR. Steve, we have a first for the Team Blaney podcast, I'm pretty sure. What's that? We have breaking... It's not, it's not breaking anymore. We have Dale Blaney news. All right. Dale Blaney, the uncle of Ryan Blaney, the brother of Dave Blaney, the second son of Lou Blaney, has some news this weekend, and it's, it's kind of exciting to share. So Dale has been an official with the All-Star Circuit of Champions since last year. Kind of dabbled in that a little bit. Again, Dale, if you don't, if anyone's not familiar with him, highly successful racer in the dirt ranks. He is a National Sprint Car Hall of Fame racer, along with his brother Dave and Father Lou. So, has been working as an official for the last couple of years. Heard some rumors that he might jump back behind the wheel this year. They kind of teased it on Twitter a week or so ago. So, he comes out, runs a race for car owner Rich Farmer in the number 29 410 Sprint Car at his home track, Sharon Speedway. First race in about two years. I can't even remember if he made a start in anything last year. Goes out and beats the field. 
takes the, the lead on the sixth lap and goes on to win a $3,000 payday in the 410 sprints at Sharon Speedway, his first race of 2021. And what I'm hoping this is, this turns into, is I'm hoping that this might be a tune-up event um, leading into the Lou Blaney Memorial, the race that honors his late great father, Lou Blaney, that's running on July 10th. So, Steve, I made some jokes, uh, knew, knowing that Dave or knowing that Dale was going to be running this weekend. I say you got to get out to the track, and you're like, ah, I just don't think I can. You said the same thing about uh, when Dave won his World of Outlaws race. So now what? You're saying it, maybe maybe you don't you need to stay away from the Lou Blaney Memorial. We'll see. Yeah, I'm thinking that maybe I should. Uh, I would jinx it if I showed up. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it'd be great to see the the the, the, the brothers battle it out uh, on that uh, that night here in uh, two weeks. Yeah, really, it would be really, really cool. Dale himself has won the Lou Blaney Memorial. He won it in 2019. Dave himself, I believe, is a two-time winner of the race and just picked up that win earlier this year in the World of Outlaws race at Sharon Speedway. So the brothers, I mean, over the years have won several races at Sharon, their home track. Dave owns a portion of the Speedway himself. Dale was one of the masters of track prep for a long time there at Sharon, so they really, really know this track. So it wasn't surprising at all to see Dale kind of come out this weekend and end up beating the field, even though it was his first race in a while. So it will be very interesting to see. Like I said, I'm hoping that this is kind of just him taking some steps, getting ready to run that number 29 car, the Lou Blaney Blaney Memorial. I don't know anything official yet, but um, really, really awesome to see uh, Dale come back out of he never called it a retirement or anything but just kind of stepped away and has been working as an official Ryan Blaney weekend preview road America all right Steve the NASCAR Cup Series is headed to a brand new track this weekend they're heading up to road America for the jockey made in America 250 4th of July weekend Sunday July 4th at road America you can catch it 2 30 p.m. Eastern time on NBC and from what I understand it's not just a new race and a new track for the NASCAR Cup Series it might be a new track that's that that the Mez is is going to experience for the first time is this true we're going to put it on the board um, we have a map a corkboard map of the United States and we put little push pins in it for each track we've gone to and this will be a new one um, we're going to travel up there this weekend um, we're going to try and get up there Sunday morning real early to watch the qualifying and, uh, and be there for the race. And what's great about going to a road course is we don't have to worry about a rain out and travel back and missing it the next day or something like that because if it rains, it rains, you know, and they'll race in the rain. So a new track for the Cup Series. Um, previously, Coda was the longest track on the circuit. Road America is coming in at over four miles, right, in distance for a lap. We're looking at the stage breaks for this race. So it's a 250-mile race. The stage breaks are coming at lap 14, lap 29, and then lap 62 is when the checkered flag will fall there at Road America for the jockey made in America 250. Um, multiple times this season, we talked about Ryan Blaney's prowess on the road courses. He had a little bit of a a shaky day at Coda just because, I don't know, they played pinball the back of the field at at points here and there, and he had some damage. But overall on road course races, Ryan comes in with an average finish of 13.3, so kind of middle of the pack, has that victory uh, on the Roval nearly won the clash on the Daytona road course earlier this year. Um, and then has had some really decent finishes. If we go through his last several, uh, finishes on road courses, um, going back to Sonoma, he finished 10th, uh, 
at Coda, he finished 17th. The road course at Daytona earlier this year, he finished 15th. The Roval prior to that, 5th. Uh, the first visit out to the Daytona road course last year when it popped up, he did finish 31st, had a little bit of a struggle. But prior to that, had four great races um, going all the way back to his Roval victory when he won in 2018, then followed it up with third place at Sonoma, fifth at Watkins Glen, and then the return to the Roval finished eighth. So he's had a little bit of a shaky run here uh, in that 10th to 15th, 17th range. He finished 17th at Coda. So do you think that this is the race um, has a little bit more momentum, finished 10th at Sonoma. Do you think this is the race where he kind of turns it around? Maybe we're looking at top five, top, top, or, you know, high top 10 area. What are you thinking for this race at road America? You know, strategy is always going to play into it with the road courses, but the one thing he has that a lot of the other competitors may not have is experience there. Uh, 2015, he did drive an Xfinity race there, uh, qualified third, finished second, uh, was in the top, you know, 10, most of the race they did, it was 45 laps on that day. So yeah, I mean, you know, he's got a, a good combination of things coming into this, a uh, little bit of a track knowledge to begin with being on the track and driving the track, even though it was an Xfinity car. Um, so yeah, I mean, depending on how good qualifying goes and uh, you know, how strategy of course plays out, uh, I think you're going to see a top five kind of, kind of day for Ryan. And if we want to take a look back, so they've they've made, uh, this will be the 12th, well, they're going to be running the 12th Xfinity race at Road America uh, coming up here. But if we take a look at the names that have won the past several Xfinity races, we aren't really seeing too many cup drivers. So the last race was won by Austin Sidrick, prior to that Christopher Bell, then Justin Allgaier, Jeremy Clements, Michael McDowell, he'll be in the field Paul Menard, Brendan Gaughan, A.J. Allmendinger. Allmendinger will also be in the field in the cup race. Nelson P.K., Reed Sorensen, and then all the way back to Carl Edwards in 2010. So in the field, we'll have Sindrick, we'll have Bell, we'll have McDowell, and we'll have Allmendinger. All four of those guys have picked up victories in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. As you were just saying, Ryan has that one race, at least, where he finished up there pretty well. So... A little bit of experience there. Different types of cars, though. Yeah, the heavier car would be more interesting. Um, what's uh, interesting about the track is, you know, it's about, what is it, 14 turns. And uh, there's a couple pretty good straightaways. You know, when you, you come off 14 and head down the front stretch itself, um, there's elevation changes and uh, a good straightaway and a breaking down to, down to one braking zone there. And going um, off of three there, it it's to be pretty good speed down that I would call it. It's not really a backstretch, but yeah. So, so there's, there's a couple sweeping turns where they're going to get some good momentum and get up to speed pretty good before they have to break and uh, hopefully pass somebody under braking. And not, not really a ton of runoff room at this track. Coda had just a massive amount of, you know, asphalt runoff room. If you missed a turn here, for the most part, if you miss a turn, you're going to end up out into the grass. Uh, so you really have to have heard a lot of drivers going into this weekend saying they're just focused on trying to make decent laps and trying to stay on track. It might sound simple, um, but this is a very long course. So if you lose time in one lap, that kind of affects that entire race. Again, just a 62-lap race overall. Um the caution periods are going to be interesting. I'm hoping it's a mostly a clean race because if a caution comes out and it's a full and they all are basically full course yellows in NASCAR, they're a little bit more lenient if somebody spins to not throw it right away like they would on an oval track. But, you know, we're looking at, you know, five minute laps under caution if that comes to it. So I'm hoping that 
people will stay relatively clean. Um, hopefully there's not too many serious accidents that might slow this race down. And uh, I'm hoping for your sake that it does stay dry, though they can always pull out those racing slicks if they if they need to. Uh, we're we're ready either way. <laughs> we did uh, we did Mid Ohio a couple years back, and it rained, and uh, you know it was still a lot of fun. And I tell you what, I know that they've, you know, 4th of July weekend was always kind of went hand in hand with Daytona. They've run, then they moved it over to Indianapolis. But tell you what, I can't think of a better place right now than Road America to host the July 4th weekend race for the NASCAR Cup Series. Plenty of place for camping, just kind of like Pocono this past weekend. Plenty of places for camping and camaraderie among the fan base. And I'm really excited for you to get up there in Wisconsin at this new track for the Cup Series and experience the race this weekend. The Jockey Made in America 250, Sunday, July 4th at Road America. You can catch it 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time on NBC, on MRN, on the radio, and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. All right, Steve, I think it's time for our weekly check-in with the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. I can tell you right off the bat for me, this doubleheader weekend at Pocono really kind of threw me for a little bit of a loop here. Um, So we have two races to recap here, uh, two sets of lineups. I mean, I don't even... I don't even know. I kind of went Hendrick heavy on the first one, but why don't we just take a look at, at the standings after the first race. Now, these are just the, the most points earned after the first race there at Pocono. In first, tied for first after the first race was Go Larson and you, Mez 12, 245 points. In third, we had Doug K0525, Rogue Tough with in fourth with 238 points. And then in fifth, we had the Prime Minister 3 with 237 points earned after that first race. Can you give us a little a little bit of insight on who you had uh, possibly in that, that first race. I mean, myself, I finished 22nd in points earned after that first race of Pocono, Pocono so I was just struggling just a little bit. I had um, The lineup was pretty good. I had uh, Kyle Busch. I had Alex Bowman. So that, that worked out real good. Uh, Harvick, who finished in the top 10. Joey Logano finished in the top 10. And I had William Byron. So I did go heavily with uh, the, the Hendrick guys there. And... Uh, <laughs> uh, I had Larson winning the race, which did not work out for me. Um, and him is the top Chevrolet. Uh, Joey is the top Ford. He ended up being the second Ford. Uh, Kyle Busch was the top Toyota. Had that right. I had Chevy and Hendrick as the manufacturer and the team. So, you know, it, it was kind of weird because I think at the point before Larson crashed, um, I might I would have had him as the winner in the bonus picks and so forth. But there were other people that also had him. And I would not have been the top point getter. It was really kind of weird. I was like fourth or fifth at that point. And then when it all shook out the way it did, um, I still had enough points having Bowman in my lineup where uh, he put me on top. So taking a look at my lineup, and I didn't do too bad in the bonus picks, but my starting lineup, I had Daniel Suarez, Alex Bowman, the race winner, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Christopher Bell, I had William Byron in the garage and never took him out. I'm terrible at, you know, swapping my garage pick in unless I know somebody's crashed. Um, so Bowman obviously finished first. Harv- or De- Han- Denny Hamlin finished fourth. So those were kind of the two best finishes. Harvick had a top ten, but Suarez and Christopher Bell were a little bit out there. For my bonus picks, I had picked Kyle Larson as the race winner, and that was, uh, you know, a little bit 
turn or two away from that coming uh, to fruition. I had picked William Byron as the top Chevrolet, so kind of more hedging my bets there with just a couple of Hendrick cars. He finished uh, second in that. Kevin Harvick, I had him as the top Ford. That didn't work out. I picked Kyle Busch as the top Toyota. That did work out. I picked Chevrolet. Again, we talked about the strategy of just picking Hendrick Motorsports. I had uh, Chevrolet as the top manufacturer and Hendrick Motorsports as the top team. So I did get three straight bonus picks there. But overall, I just did not actually perform that well. So I think 22nd in the uh, standings uh, for points earned. So moving into the second Pocono race. Let's take a look at the top five in points earned for the team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. We had Vans 12 with 237 points. In second, we had Joe Lopez 1 with 224 points. In third, we had Double A Racing with 222 points. In fourth, we had Spider Monkey. In fifth, we had David Lazaro with 194 points. So it's kind of cool there in that second race. Some names we don't always hear all the time. Um, Give us a little bit of insight. So you didn't do as well in the second race. Who did you have uh, on your roster going into race number two at Pocono? I don't think I really changed things up much here. I had Kyle Busch, Bowman, Harvick, Logano, and Byron again. Um, my biggest difference is here is I, I figured Chase Elliott was going to have a better finish than he did. So I had him as the winner in the top Chevrolet, and it, that just was not good. Um, Ryan, I had as the top forward and it's funny as he was the third forward, he finished sixth and he was the third forward, yep. uh, you know, which is amazing. Um, and then I did have Kyle, Kyle Busch, uh, as the top Toyota, which worked out, but then Chevy and Hendrick, I, I stuck with that figuring that the, another one that those guys was going to win. And really Larson finished second. He's close, you know, you know so, you know, he, there was another one up there. So, uh, you know, it just kind of like, just wasn't enough points at the, in the bonus picks basically to, to carry me over the top. For me, I kind of just played musical chairs here. Um, I took Suarez and put him in the garage because I still, I don't know what it is about that team. I had a good feeling. And I brought brought William Byron up into the starting lineup. I also started Christopher Bell, Bowman, Denny Hamlin, and Kevin Harvick. So Bell finished 32nd, Hamlin was 14th, Byron ended up 12th. I mean, it didn't work out. Uh, I was fine leaving Suarez in the garage. He finished 15th. I think he lost uh, fuel on the, the last lap as well. And then in my bonus picks, I only ended up with one winner out of all the bonus picks. I'd pick Kyle Larson as the top Chevrolet. So that did work out. I had picked him as the race winner. Really close on that. I was with you. I picked Ryan Blaney as the top Ford, Hamlin as the top Toyota. And then I doubled down again with Chevy and Hendrick as the winning manufacturer and team. So unfortunately, that didn't work out for me in this past weekend. So let's take a look now at the overall league standing so we went through the the top five for both of those races and points earned now this is the overall standings holding down the top spot with 3787 points is clyde's chicken pit racing in second we have moon cup in third we have doug k0525 and fourth we have mez 12 with 3715 points in fifth we have road tough in sixth we have blaney kicks beep in seventh we have vans 12 in eighth we have go larson in ninth we have glitterbugs and then rounding out the top 10, we have Spider Monkey with 3,554 points. And I tumbled down the, the league standings this week uh, due to kind of having two sort of off races. So Team Blaney Admin, that team is down to 26 with 3,256 points. And hey... You made- you made the big pa- you made the big pass in your household, though. I did. I didn't make the household pass. So that's kind of the first time in 
a couple of years. I think since we've we've been doing this league, where I think I've been uh, I've made the pass and been in front of my wife. So uh, I didn't even realize that, but I'm probably going to screenshot this now and um, send it on can, to uh, We can see how that goes. <laughs> Another night on the couch. Ah. Well, I mean, we kind of had a, an action-packed show here, Steve, and I think we covered everything we wanted to. We had those two race recaps, we had the Todd Gordon news, we had the Dale Blaney news, and we had our fantasy news, and we previewed the race this upcoming weekend at Road America. So I think, you know, from all of us here, which is really just me and you <laughs> at the Team Blaney podcast, I just want to kind of wish all the fans, all the Blaney fans, all the NASCAR fans, everyone in America, have a very happy and safe safe 4th of July weekend, especially you heading out on the road. Yeah. Let's enjoy this weekend, uh, you know, responsibly and, uh, you know, enjoy the racing. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. Don't get so darn serious into it. Something happens bad. It's not the end of your world. Um, that's not the end of the world on the, on the track. Those guys will figure it out. They'll race. Well, they'll get up there. They'll do what it takes to get back in the lead lap or back into the top 10. And, uh, that's the fun part of it. You know, the adversity when they've had it, you know, they've handled it and they get up there and they get up on the wheel and Ryan really drives his, drives his heart out. And it's, it's fun to watch. All right, Steve, I want to thank you and then thank all the Blaney fans for tuning in this week to the Team Blaney podcast. If you'd like to learn about myself or co-host Steve, please listen to the very first episode of the podcast that just dives deep into how we both became fans of the Blaney racing family. If you'd like to interact with us, you can find Team Blaney on Twitter, at Team Blaney, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Team Blaney. Don't forget we have an Instagram now that's kind of gaining followers as we go. Maybe Steve's going to shoot us some photos over the weekend at Road America that we can post on there. Um, so don't forget that. Find us on Instagram. And then also download, rate, subscribe to this, the Team Blaney podcast, on the Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify, all of your favorite, pod- favorite podcast apps click the subscribe button you can listen to us every week and we've had a lot of interesting guests over the last few weeks from spotter josh williams to uh aaron blaney from the ryan blaney family foundation to kevin teal from pocono raceway steve's been working hard working the phones trying to get us more and more interesting guests throughout the week so thank you steve for that once again to close out the show we want to remind you to check out the ryan blaney family foundation this organization established in 2018 supports causes that have closely impacted the blaney family including the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine. You can find out more about the foundation on its website, ryanblaneyfamilyfoundation.org, or on Twitter at rbfamfoundation, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash rbfamilyfoundation, and you can also find them on Instagram as well. So, for my co-host Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll catch you next time on the Team Blaney Podcast. Enjoy that 4th of July weekend.